it might have sounded a slightly odd request. Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. But those two disciples didn't question it. They simply got on and did as they were asked. Here we are, on the way up to Jerusalem. Clearly, Jesus had been planning ahead so that he would arrive, if not quite in style, then in the appropriate fashion. These donkeys would create the right stir. It's the prophet Zechariah who provides the interpretive key to what's going on here. Matthew brings him in there in verse five. Say to daughter Zion, "See your king comes to you, gentle, and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey." Way back in Israel's history, when Jacob looked at his twelve sons, those who were to inherit God's promises, he recognized that the true ruler of God's people would come from Judah. As he seeks to portray the prestige of that future king, Jacob speaks of his tethered donkey and colt. The location given here in verse one is the Mount of Olives. Centuries earlier, there was an occasion when King David found himself on the Mount of Olives, walking away from Jerusalem, suffering rejection. As Israel's king, a loyal servant thought it fitting that David and his family should be given a string of donkeys to ride on, and so he brings these to them. Some years later, when it came time for young Solomon to be anointed king over Israel, he rides out on the back of David's mule to cries of "Long live King Solomon." So, choosing to arrive in Jerusalem in the way he did, there's no mistaking the claim Jesus is making. It's as Zechariah foretold: "See, your king comes to you. The donkey and the colt are the dead giveaway." But this whole episode hasn't been planned simply to tell us that Jesus is king. Rather, it serves to tell us something specific about this king. Think of all those things that could be said about a king, and those things that you'd expect to hear said about a king. Think of all those things that could be said about Jesus, and those things you'd expect to hear said about Jesus. And now imagine that you had to settle for saying only the one thing. What would it be? Well, notice what the one thing is there in verse five. This king who comes to us is gentle. Gentle. That's what this procession up to Jerusalem serves to put on display. There's a detail here that is unique to Matthew's account. The disciples bring a donkey and a colt. To Jesus, why both? It's so that Jesus can ride on the colt. 
An untamed colt wouldn't take kindly to being ridden unless its mother was right there alongside it. Then it would be more obliging. So here's the picture. There's the donkey, sturdy and strong. That's where you'd expect to see Jesus seated. But where is he in fact seated? At least for part of the time, he is seated on the colt. In other words, he is still lower down. That would be quite a sight to behold um, there in those crowds. All this serves to underscore that Jesus comes as the truly gentle king. Now, the Greek word here rendered gentle can also be rendered meek or humble. And it appears in each of these ways elsewhere in the gospel. Indeed, we're tapping into a major theme of Matthew's gospel. Gentleness, meekness, humility. This isn't often a trait sought after in kings and rulers and leaders. Yet we must come to see that it is essential to who Jesus is as king. He comes as one who is humble, not proud. As one who is mild, not harsh. But gentle doesn't mean weak, passive, or indifferent. The word is commonly used in Greek literature to refer to a tamed horse. Picture a powerful stallion in all its unbridled strength. But then with careful, persistent training, that horse is quieted and made still. It's an image of strength under control. When we look upon Jesus as the gentle king, we're seeing measureless power under perfect control. A majestic sight to behold. No wonder the crowds were running to him. So, as Jesus rides up to Jerusalem, he doesn't approach as a scorching wind, but as a gentle breeze. From verse 5 we hear, Your king comes to you. That is, the trajectory of his life is always towards us. Perhaps the thought of that makes you feel uncomfortable. We tend to think that Jesus is too high and too holy to come anywhere near us. And so we quite easily think of him moving away from us. Or we tend to think that Jesus is simply indifferent to us and to our concerns. And so we quite easily think of him always at a distance from us. But Jesus moving towards us? Here's why we may not like the thought of that. We tend to imagine that Jesus is disappointed or disgusted at us, that he is angry and critical of us. So if he moves towards us, that's not going to be a pretty sight. But friends, 
how does he really come to us? He comes as one who is gentle. Yes, we have sinned greatly, but Jesus shows kindness to us and doesn't resent us. Yes, we have repeatedly hardened our hearts, but Jesus bears patiently with us and doesn't lose his temper. We may be beaten down and broken, but Jesus engages tenderly with us and doesn't rough-handle us. We may be welling up in anger, but Jesus speaks peace to us and doesn't become anxious around us. We have grown cold, but Jesus is warm and doesn't withhold his light from us. The king who comes to us then isn't standoffish and isn't content to remain at a distance. And when he draws near to us, even us, he is like a gentle breeze. His measureless power wielded with perfect control. Now, you and I, I'm sure we're all too aware that our own power is of a very limited measure. But we all do possess power in some measure. How do we wield it? There in your workplace, it may be that you are the king. Everyone looks up to you. Or in your workplace, it may be that you're definitely not the king. Still, the chances are that someone in some way looks up to you. They are more junior in the sense that they have less power than you. How are you towards that many or that one? You see, earlier in Matthew's Gospel, in chapter 5, verse 5, Jesus has taught his disciples this. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. The meek is the same word again, meek or gentle. Jesus' expectation is that as he is gentle, so we too will be gentle. As it is with the teacher, so it will be with the disciple. As it is with the king, so it will be with his people. As Jesus moves towards you and I, and is gentle with us, so, out of what we have first received, we can move towards others and be gentle with them. Think then of that colleague in your workplace who has done you a great wrong. You can start to act kindly towards them. One Simple act of kindness following on from another. This instead of resenting them. Think of that colleague who is beaten down. You can start to relate to them differently. Being less abrasive or 
transactional in your engagement with them, showing a tender concern in conversation. This instead of burdening them further. Think of that colleague who always vents their anger in your direction. You can give a peaceful response, not letting their anxieties well up within you. This instead of fueling the fire. To put it that other way, when you draw near to your work colleagues, whether in person or online, is it more as a scorching wind or as a gentle breeze? A gentle breeze will achieve far more over time than a scorching wind will achieve in a moment. So it is that Jesus comes to us as he does. Far from seeing gentleness and meekness as a lack of power, in truth it speaks of power under great control. The power that you and I do have, we may as yet control to a greater or a lesser extent, but with Jesus we learn to channel it to great ends. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. This is so counter the way the world around us ordinarily operates. But truly, there is no more powerful way to do good by our colleagues, our families, and our friends than by being consistently gentle with them. In the same way that our king is consistently gentle with us. Amen.